Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Sparks with Stacey Pates and Sydney Weiss on the Believe Podcast Network. Hey, everybody, I'm Stacey Pates, and welcome to the Believe in Sparks podcast. It's LA's number one sports podcast network and the only place with a show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Welcome to the show, everyone. Happy to have you with us and joining us today. There's a special magazine you need to know about. It's called Ishe Magazine. Make sure you check it out. And we have the founder, David Jordan Jr., with us on Believe in Sparks. Happy to have you here. Thank you for being on our show today. Hi, Stacey. I really appreciate you having me and the opportunity to talk with you today. Absolutely. I love this magazine because it brings so much to light. And the word Ishe is Egyptian, meaning life. And it's a life magazine that provides a lot of insight and looks into what's going on in our world. It's, it's everything from fashion to relationships to entertainment to sports. And speaking of sports, I met you at the... Uh, uh, at a Sparks event, which is how you and I connected. And I know that you're very close to the game of women's basketball. Tell us your backstory. Yes, well, um, thank you for the uh, the very special intro and, and everything with uh, Ishe Magazine. It's, you know, it says it's a lifestyle magazine and strictly digital publication. And, you know, my aim with founding it and, you know, doing everything with it is to provide light on all the great things going on in the world, as you said, in sports, entertainment, relationships, fashion, and just putting a positive light, like on everything, everybody, like it's not just something that, you know, owns this type or this type, it's whoever, wherever you may be, because there, there are a lot of great people that are doing great things. And, you know, that's, that's my aim in doing that. And, you know, as you said, the, the game of basketball is, you know, it's, one of my passions has been with me forever as, you know, I played as a child and then, you know, high school and on the collegiate level and a little bit professionally. And I also now coach collegiately on the division three level. I coach, I'm assistant coach with the university of Laverne women's basketball team. And it's been an amazing process. It's, it's, it's just been totally amazing working with a great coaching staff and then working with players that, you know, are thirsty to get better, to improve, and to learn. And that's the one thing that, you know, makes that side of the game coaching fun when you have players that want to learn, they want to get better, and they want to put the time in. And that's something that, you know, I still, even though I coach, I'm still in the gym just as much with them as if I would be playing because I still love it. And, you know, and I still can do the things that I, you know, try to shed knowledge on and instruct them to doing. So, it's very fun, and you know, every day I still learn something new with the game on this side, and I'm able to impart that wisdom on you know my players and other players that I might work with in the summers, and you know, help get better. Speaking of being on this side, as you say, had you coached any women's basketball prior to? Yes, I had previously coached. I had previously coached women's basketball on the high school level in Memphis, Tennessee and also on the middle school level. And then after I moved back out to California, I did development with women's basketball um, with a lot of college players in the summers. 
So I've, you know, I've coached men in high school, middle school, and then women on that, and then also collegiately as, as development. So this year, the timing just ended up, you know, becoming right where I could actually join the staff. And, you know, it's, it's been fun. Like we've had, this is the first winning season that's been there in, in nearly a decade. And, you know, we take everything one day at a time and, you know, just, this building and aiming to win and have fun and, and learn while doing it. Because you had the opportunity to coach uh, women of all different ages from uh, middle school girls, high school girls, now collegiate women, what have you learned about women in the sport of basketball? Because I think there's a lot of misconceptions that we're not strong enough, we don't work hard enough, uh, we're not aggressive enough. What have you learned about women in basketball? Uh, what I've learned about women in basketball is all of those misconceptions, most of the time they're coming from people that, have, that are not close to the game or haven't been close to the women's game in that capacity other than maybe watching on TV or just, you know, maybe going to school with some girls. But that is so far from the truth. Like, that is so far from the truth. Um women want the very athletic like you know i hate when people say oh she a girl she can't do this and do that it's like no if you actually get out there and you play with a lot of these girls you can see they can do stuff that a lot of men can't do you know and in my experiences a lot of times the women have been more fundamentally sound mm -hmm. uh, um, skill wise and they have a desire to develop that and develop certain aspects to the game if they know that Okay, when you look at the women's game, if you want to equate it to a men's game, a seven-footer in a men's game is like probably a six-foot-plus woman playing in the, in the women's game. I mean, you have a lot of, you have certain occasions where you have some women that's six-two, six-three, six-six, you know, but for the most part, six-foot to six-three is the equivalent of a seven-footer in a men's game. So anybody that's under that, they develop every aspect of their game, from shooting to ball handling to you know, defensive, defensively being a factor, and it makes for a better game all around in every position because you have five players on the court and seven, eight players on the bench that can do everything. So really it's just a matter of plugging and, and playing. We have people to work on that versus sometimes in the men's game, you might have a player that's, you know, extremely athletic, and we'll feel, you know, that that's going to get you as far as you want to go. And, you know, at some point, you're going to match up with somebody that's equally as athletic. But then it's like, what else can you do? Mm -hmm. And can't develop that within a month, you know, to, to overcompensate for not being able to knock down a 15-foot jumper or handle the ball against somebody defensively that's just as quick as you and probably stronger. So in, in working with women, then, you know, I have a sister that played sports um, through high school and on a Division One level. And, you know, playing against her, like, you know, first I started playing, okay, I'm playing, but she was strong, you know, she was quick. And so it's like, hey, basketball is basketball at the end of the day. I tell anybody that. You got to be able to put the ball in the hole, you got to be able to defend, you got to play hard, you got to have heart, mm -hmm. whether you're, you're a man or woman. Because I know a lot of women that – I went to high school with and college with and played with and even some women on our staff that, hey, if you come out trying to underestimate, look crazy, you're going to get busted on the court and look silly because you're mm -hmm. thinking 
off of a misconception that somebody's giving you that it's not even a part of the game. Yeah, I agree with you. I know when I've played pickup games, it's been a minute because I, I have to pick my spots now because I, I'm too aggressive. Like I'll take a charge against a guy, and which I should not be doing anymore. Yeah. But, you know, I have to pick my spots, but I love being underestimated. I love that they think I'm going to be slower or maybe I'm going to, you know, get upset if they block me. No, that's, that's a piece of the game. Go ahead and block me. I don't give a rip, but I'm going to finesse you out your shoes later. So, exactly. right. So we can talk about that. But it's, it is, it's so encouraging that uh, more and more men like yourself um, watch the game, support the women what have you learned about yourself as a man, as a professional, in terms of how women operate in athletics, how you can prop them up to be stronger and more confident in themselves? What are some things that you've taken away and added to your daily life? Uh, one of the things I think I could say is, you know, the, the, the passion. Like I've always been, I'm always passionate about anything I want to do. But in being around women's sports and um, seeing how, you know, sometimes they can get too high or too low, especially, you know, dealing with young kids. I say young kids because college kids, I'm still saying, you know, I'm, I'm the older guy now. So I'm just like, yeah, these kids, these kids, these kids. It's funny to me when I say, like, these kids. I'm like, yeah. But, you know, just helping them find the balance with, hey, it's going to be all right. Just keep working, keep going hard, believe in what you're doing. And, you know, I reaffirm myself, you know, with things that are going on in my life or things I may encounter from time to time. Like, I'm always going to believe in what I'm trying to do. But, you know, when you're sharing information and imparting stuff, you know, you should be a reflection of that. And, you know, you always have the opportunity to build within yourself. And so having players that, you know, I'm, you know, encouraging and enlightening on different things, you know, sometimes, you know, I, a lot of times I find myself taking my own advice or hearing other coaches say things to, you know, because we have a mixed staff. We have men and women on our staff. So it's always great to see a perspective come from somebody else that helps you look at a situation in a different way. And it's like, yeah, that does make sense. And I can do that. And, you know, with, Coaching women, my experience, you know, great listeners. Right? They mm. listen to hang on to everything that I say or another coach says. And, you know, sometimes it's almost a, like a detriment because you take it literally like, well, not every time, but, you know, this situation on the court, if this happens, it's that. But, you know, the biggest thing is just, you know, being encouraged with, whatever's going on, not getting too high, not getting too low, but still going for it. Yeah. So many good things have already been happening during the WNBA off season. One of which was the agreement that they reached with the CBA. Did you see, cause you're working with NCAA women now, did you see um, a lot of change in attitude among your players in terms of now um, if they didn't believe they had a shot or didn't believe they could really be part of something special, that change in the CBA just gave them an extra um, I guess, spring in their step? Yeah, well, it was like literally the day after that, I was having a conversation with one of the players, like we were just talking and she brought it up. Like you see that new deal that they got going in the, with, with the, in the WNBA for the players contractually. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, you know, what do you think made it take so long? Or, you know, how do you think it came about? 
and you know, my thing with her is like, you know, I believe like, you know, it's um the like I told her, I said the league has been here over twenty years. And you know, so the revenue in some capacity has been there. I think some of it was just a matter of, okay, finding the right way to disperse everything because the league since day one has been of a legendary status because it was built with players that had been playing professionally and had been successful on the international level, like majorly successful. Like, you know, when the league first started, you had Lisa Leslie that was coming in playing. You know, you had Nikki McCray that was coming in playing that, you know, these these were players that had been successful on the collegiate level, professionally, Don Staley, um, just to name a few. So I would explain to her, like, you know, the league has always had great players. I think now it's like the marketing aspect is starting to balance out the money where it's like, okay, we're getting sponsorship from people or companies that are willing to invest more because they see a return. And then it's also the fact that I think, you know, these players, when they go playing overseas, in their off seasons to make the additional money. And, you know, they develop a fan base over there. So I think it's that they're really not realizing that some of these players are getting to a point where they would just rather, hey, not even play in the WNBA, go make that money internationally, be treated like a god over there and celebrated for their success and their accomplishments, and then just come home in the off season Because, you know, you see so many women that play, they coach, whether it's college or, or NBA. And, you know, some of them are making equivalent to what they would make in a short WNBA season. And I think that the league realized that, you know, the potential opportunity for growth and, you know, increasing the salary cap and keeping all the players here. Because if you keep all the players here, when that WNBA season is over, you can do more things in the community because the players are here as opposed to them being in Poland somewhere or Russia, you know, playing in then they risk getting injured. If they get injured, then that following WBA season, you won't have them because they're healing mm-hmm. and recovering from injury. And then you lose money because nobody is going to come see because their favorite players not even play just for the, you know, the few summer months of the season is around. So I think the marketing aspect of it is what um, made it happen. And I was telling that to the player, you know, she's, you know, she, of course she wasn't born when, <laughs> it first started so she only saw you know she's only seen over probably the last decade of how the league has been around and I think it's a it's a great thing and I think it's going to help increase the exposure internationally when you got the players that aren't going overseas now because they're making this money here now international fans are going to gravitate more towards um, the WNBA games watching it and increase ratings which increase revenue and you know, could make the salary crap continue to grow. Absolutely. And it's perfect timing being an Olympic year that the women, yeah. the women in the league were able to reach that um, very good agreement, very powerful agreement in the CBA as they prepare for the upcoming season. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with more right after this. We have breaking news brought to you by Manscaped.com. The new Lawnmower 3.0 Manscaping Trimmer is now available for purchase. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BELIEVE at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Just use the code BLEAV.
Welcome back, everyone, to Believe in Sparks. I'm Stacey Pates, and David Jordan, Jr., the founder of Ishe Magazine, is joining us on this episode. So happy to have him with us. When, when you think about this, this magazine and everything it stands for, something that I love in your tagline, David, is it says, knowledge is essential to life, and the quest for knowledge is never-ending. Ishe, your life, your thoughts, your world. That's so powerful to me. Tell me how that came about for you and what caused you to create this magazine in 2014. Okay, well, um, growing up, like I always had an interest in, you know, the, the, the aspect of communications and media, whether it was, you know, radio or television. Uh, through high, in high school, I um, we had a on campus television network and I was a part of that and then in college like I majored I got my undergraduate degree in communications with a focus in broadcasting but in that major we did everything from the journalism aspect to PR advertising and then I got an MBA in marketing and you know also studied that capacity of communication so it was always something that I wanted to do within the field uh wasn't exactly sure like i mean i remember right after i graduated from uh, undergrad that i kind of laid out a blueprint for like a possible radio show that i wanted to do but at the time my time the timing wasn't necessarily in my favor to do all of those things because you know i just graduated college i was pursuing a basketball career on a professional level so i couldn't delve into everything like you know I'm 100% into the basketball so I'm like you know all my time was into that and still trying to do everything and also it was the, the influence of technology as technology continued to grow it created an avenue because I've always been a writer I've always loved writing and studied the different elements of writing and you know when I had English and literature classes in school you know it was always it was always fun to me like I was the person in school that, you know, I could, I would do a, a, an essay or term paper that needed to be about two or 3,000 words and I could do it within maybe three hours, two, well, maybe about two hours at the most. Like words would just come and then, you know, filling in everything from there. So fast forward to 2014 and it was a time where I was, I was still living in Memphis. And I know I was talking to my my mother, and she was like, you know, you should you should create a, a publication or you know something along those lines, media, because you look at the different things and all of the information that was coming out was not 100% factual all the time, and that's my thing is presenting the facts and going to the point of if you were a part of this or you contributed to this, I want to get the story from you. I don't want to be opinion-based and just write something on a, a, something that happened 30 years ago and I wasn't even there. I'm just going off of information that's seen by, you know, I see it on TV or I read it in a book or I see an interview online. Like I want to go to the actual person or the source and you know, when I say like your life, your thoughts, your worlds, um, it's like, what would you ask this person if you had the opportunity? Like, I'm not going to ask the same cliche 
question of how, you know, how does it feel to be this and that? You know, I'm going to ask you about a specific instance that I felt is, was impactful in your development or impactful in this event that happened and allow you to essentially share that with me. And, you know, and I did it strictly digital publication because at the time I, I saw the way things were going with that, that uh, capacity of media. People want things instantaneously. You know, they want to be able to click on a link on their phone and read something as opposed to, you know, going to the store, picking up a paper or picking up, a, you know, a hard copy of a magazine or a newspaper. And, you know, from there I've been blessed, like God has truly blessed me, you know, with the great people that I've been able to meet and work with and get their stories and, you know, touch on historical things with people. And I mean, like you said, it's how we met. We met mm -hmm. at, at the Purple Print yep. because of our, you know, connection through media and journalism of, you know, being there to, to tell a truth and present it to the world. And, you know, I'm, I'm always grateful for, you know, my mother putting that in my head and then, you know, having the time and, and everything to go for it. And I've been, like I said, I've been so blessed to meet great people that, you know, perfect strangers that have provided, whether it's words or a connection or anything that's allowed me to continue to go forward. And that's what it, it's been, you know, and like I said, it's, education and information is all it's endless like you can learn something new every day mm -hmm. more or more than one thing i think a lot of people don't realize that i think a lot of people only feel that you can only learn if something is put in in front of you mm -hmm. and that's just like it's the i can equate i can equate so much stuff to basketball it's like you know something many people think they only get better at practice like no you get better outside of practice thing like you can learn so much on your own and then you'll be able to put things together. Yes. And apply it yeah. right back to sport, like conflict resolution and yeah, finding, figuring things out, how to deal with teammates. Like there's just so many ways, so many applications that we can learn in daily life that can be applied to our careers or to our sport. Yeah. And, the, and you know, one of the biggest things I think is just adversity. Because yeah. if, you, if you deal with adversity in sport, you know, people that haven't been through it, what's the first thing they do? They quit. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you've been through enough, like anybody plays a sport and for the most of you love it, like you love it, like you love life. You're going to do anything and everything for it, to be a part of it, whether you're sick, hurting, you know, whatever's going on, you're going to do that. So in life, when you encounter a situation or whatever, you know, is this going to stop you from, you know, doing what you want to do or being where you want to be? Like, you know, unless you're, you're physically incapable, you know, you have to be mentally strong to, you know, pursue the things and encounter those obstacles and difficulties and go forward. Like, you want to encounter in every aspect. Mm -hmm. I think you're mentally strong and wanting more and seeking more and trying to educate yourself, I think it, it, it carries you a very long way. It really does. You can never underestimate knowledge or education. I love, yeah. I love that your mom was the one that, that put that in your mind. And, and obviously she believed that you could do something special with this kind of uh, part of your career. And the moral of that story is always listen to your mama because mamas yes. just know. <laughs> they just know. 
They just yeah. know. Oh my goodness. And then, you know, it's funny, like, you know, the other aspect, when you saying that, it's like, hey, somebody could be at home, you know, ask my dad, so he's like, go ask your mama, go ask uh-huh. your mama. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Tell the listeners how they can find your publication online. Okay, you can find, as I said, it's a digital publication, so the website is E S H E. Magazine, M-A-G-A-Z-I-N-E dot com. And on Instagram, you can follow it, E-S-H-E-M-A-G-A-Z-I-N-E. Same on Twitter. And you can also uh, find or like on Facebook the same thing. It's E-S-H-E Magazine. Perfect. And working on some uh, great upcoming features, one with one uh, WNBA basketball legend. Okay. Can you give us a little something, something, or we just have to figure it out when it comes out? Uh, well, I can say, I mean, I don't know if it's helped, but she's a two-time gold medalist, a okay. two-time NBA champion. Um, okay. Uh, we'll just yeah. have to keep. We'll just have to keep checking the site because I know that's going to be yeah. that's going to be worth yeah. it for sure. Yeah, for it's going to be great. It was really great talking to her. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So that's that's coming very soon. It's, Good, good. We'll be we'll be looking for that. And I know that uh, there's a lot of perks that come well with both of our jobs. We we both are very blessed and fortunate to be doing what we love, and it's part of our purpose for sure. And um, I know in in gosh, probably in the last year, you've met the likes of the phenomenal Vivica A. Fox, the phenomenal Faith uh, Evans. I mean, your your list goes on and on. You're kind of spoiled over there. <laughs> yeah, I've, you know, it's um, it's it's been amazing, you know, uh, the people that I've met, and you know, like I've I've never been tight to, you know, like I've never been all struck over nobody. Yeah, but same, same. some things is like, especially when it comes to certain athletes that I've met, like it's like, hey, I grew up watching you do this and do that, and you know, like I was in awe of what they did, mm-hmm. and so be able to meet and talk to these people and you know, you know I've met a couple of times or whatever and, and talking to them and it's like you know like I still see them as doing what they did and mm-hmm. you know and thankful for that you know creating that inspiration in me you know pretty much all of the people especially in sports that I grew up watching that inspired me I've been able to meet them and talk to them and stuff and you know, whether it's doing an interview or a feature or anything, it's been, you know, it's been cool. Like, it, it just takes me back to that moment when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I heard them talk to them and, you know, wearing their shoes or buying a jersey or playing with them on a video game, all those things. Yeah. Well, I know, speaking of, you know, following people that you look up to, you were, you've always been a Lakers fan. And on January 26th, I know all of our worlds were, were shaken up uh, at the loss of Kobe and, eight other precious souls. I want you to share uh, your memories of Kobe and watching him play. Yeah, it was, uh, that was, it was, that was just a very sad moment. It was surreal. It's still surreal. It is. Uh, it really like it, is. It, it, it just doesn't seem, it's, I don't know, you know. Um, but I remember, you know, because I mean, I can essentially say, like, I saw his entire career. Like, I remember when he was in high school, and they were talking about because he was a senior in high school when I was in eighth grade. So I, you know, saw this whole 
everything that they talked about him, like, you know, his potential, like a potential NBA prospect to becoming a lottery pick and going to the Lakers. And, you know, at that time, it wasn't social media or anything in that capacity. So everything either came from, you know, magazine or ESPN or, um, you know, CNN. Mm-hmm. Like when it was a show, the sports show on Sundays, you know, I would see it from that. So I just remember seeing him. And I'm, I, and one of the things was the fact that, you know, he was talking about going pro, but he was a guard. And it was like, yeah, he's a guard and he's going pro. And at that time, you know, it hadn't been no other guards that went pro. Everybody was big men. Mm-hmm. And, and then actually seeing him, seeing him play in the McDonald's game and the Magic Round Ball Classic and stuff, like that was the only real looks I got at him on ESPN then. And then it was like, hey, he went to prom with Brandy. So that's mm-hmm. all I knew. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, from there he got drafted and, you know, watching him play, like going from not even playing. And, you know, that game, like everybody talks about when they play Utah. Like, I remember I watched that game when he shot all those air balls at the end. Like literally, I remember being up late because I was in Memphis at the time. And, of course, it was like, midnight out there but I stayed up watching Lakers games and seeing that to becoming the player that he became and having the opportunity to watch him professionally once the Memphis Grizzlies would at that time Vancouver Grizzlies moved to Tennessee and so I was in college but I would come home when the Lakers came to town and so for him passing like at such a young age and just finished like before he even made it to the Hall of Fame like that's like the part is like oh my god you know like yeah that's the part, but my, I just say one of my, my favorite memories is I saw him back in 07 playing in Memphis. I went to the game with my grandfather. I had, it's funny, at that time I had just moved back from California because I was, at the time, I was living in, in Fresno. I was playing with an ABA team that was in Fresno playing basketball on the team. And the team moved to Sacramento, and then I ended up coming back to Memphis, and he had courtside tickets to the mm-hmm. game when the Lakers came to town. And literally, like, we sat right behind the basket. As soon as we walked in, like, I mean, as soon as we walked in and sat down, the ball went out of bounds, the ball rolled over to my chair. Nice. Like, no, like that's some movie-type stuff, but that's what happened. Uh, it wasn't the Lakers ball or nothing. But then sat down, and he went for 60 that night. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time, like, I've seen somebody go for 60 where it was, it was in rhythm. Like, it wasn't nothing forced. It was jump shots. You know, catch and shoot, pull ups. You know, a lot of times people get to that many points, they might have a lot of layups. Right, right. And, but it was just just straight buckets, and they kept they put everybody on him. They went through the entire bench at the time. They had like Shane Battier, Dante Jones, Torrance Kenzie. Like it didn't matter whoever they put on. He had sixty, and they won the game. So it was uh, it was something to see. Like he never he never disappointed. Nope. Every time I saw him, it was never a bad game. Lakers might have lost, and, you know, they might have lost, but he had a good game. And everybody in the arena was there to see him. Like, everybody said, oh, the Lakers don't have no fans. Everybody was like, haters. But wherever they went on the road, the whole arena had purple and gold on. Mm-hmm. And they were there to see him. Whether they had on the 8 jersey or the 24 jersey, it didn't matter. <laughs> mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story. It's It's – it is special to be able to relive uh, the times that we were able to watch him play and to experience his greatness. And, and now heaven just gets to see it a little bit closer. So thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate that. 
problem. Thanks for asking. Yeah, absolutely. David Jordan Jr., the founder of Ishe Magazine. Make sure you check it out, ishemagazine.com. Just really appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time. No problem. Thank you for having me. I I really appreciate the opportunity. And, you know, it's it's been a great, it's been a great conversation Hmm. about, you know, some things I know that we're both passionate about. And I'm just thankful for the opportunity. Definitely. Thank you so much. Well, folks, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. And don't forget to follow Sydney Weiss at SweetsBaby24 on social media. And I'm at Stacey Pates. For David Jordan Jr., thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Believe in Sparks. I'm Stacey Pates. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.